0: 1 p.m. Songwriter Lounge. I'll keep an eye on it to make sure you're all right. Thank you, Paul. Brian Lund here. I've got a really special guest today. Uh, all the way from the Great Lake. He swam here. There it is. Thank you. All the way from the Great Lakes. He swam here today. Tony Decker from the Great Lake Swimmers. Hello. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. So uh, today's exciting. We're uh, we're gonna talk songwriting or whatever else we get to. I was just talking to Tony. I know very little about him as a person. Uh, I did take a deep dive into the Great Lake Swimmers catalog this week and found some really amazing songs. Um, and I'm glad I did because I gained a much bigger appreciation for your your body of music and you as a songwriter. Um, so. Where to begin? Where to begin? Uh, t- take me from, how do you go from uh, Western University to becoming the Great Lakes Swimmers?
1: Yeah, that's a good question, I guess. I mean, I, I was playing in, I played in all kinds of high school bands. Okay. Yeah. The, right. yeah, so I kind of started in my teens actually playing in little bands. I had a high school band. We played in St. Catharines every other weekend oh yeah uh, in the, in the uh, early
0: 90s mid 90s I guess what was the spot like that. in the 90s in St. Catharines uh
1: the Gordes? hideaway. yeah the Gords, Gords, was, Gord's was there um there was a, a little uh I think it was maybe out of the past that did shows and the, like they would move the racks of used clothing out of the way <laughs> nice and have a little stage yeah um, and we used to set up and play uh one of the I think it was out of the past out of the past still around on St. Paul Street but uh you know all little kind of little venues there was a restaurant that would clear the tables and set up a little yeah. stage after it closed down uh oh. dinner for the day and uh we used to play all those venues uh, all those little places on uh, on saint paul saint Street. paul yeah. yeah yeah so i really had a good uh a, a good bunch of years playing
0: in bands and playing,
1: like writing, playing original music
0: too. Right, right. People Um, don't realize that they hear of somebody and they think they just made it overnight. They don't know that they put 10 years at least of just non-stop touring, figuring out trial and error, how to write the kind of songs they want to write, dealing maybe, I don't know about you, but for me, you know, going through this and that band, band drama here, band drama there, then maybe you find your right people. I don't know if you found your right people right away, but, um, you, uh, so you built a following in St. Catharines?
1: Well, we had a little following. I mean, it was mainly like a little scene where it was like a bunch of bands playing together and, you know, having a good time. It wasn't... Uh, I wasn't careering or anything Right. Like that, okay. You know? um, and when I left for university in, in um, uh, I guess, the mid-late 90s, I, I um, went to Western, as we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went through and got my undergrad degree in, um, in uh, English, uh, Language and Literature. Um, with the intention of going into uh, some kind of uh, writing um, was what was my plan. Gotcha. Yeah, after school, um, and um, I had been writing songs all throughout that time, and I actually started playing shows while I was in London too, just like little solo shows, almost a continuation of what
0: you know I was doing with You're my doing high school out. band. Yeah, so little solo, venues. unacoustic, yeah. original music,
1: yeah. mixing. No, exactly original music. Yeah, Totally. Yeah. Little, little little places, you know, little little venues. Uh, there was a little pub on the campus called the Grab Club, and there was, yeah. little, there was a little town, little venues all over town in London too. So, um, yeah, um, wrote a bunch of songs, um, decided to move to Toronto after my degree was done. Okay, um, and you went for it. Yeah, I mean, uh, like, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't even really know what my intention was. I was hoping to find like sort of like a parallel sort of uh, a field that I could find a a real job in and I ended up in the film industry for about three years when I moved to Toronto working for a film company not anything exciting just office work but I would work uh, my day job and then just play I mean I played a couple shows a week I think for a couple Mm -hmm. years
0: in Toronto there's so many places often musicians must work a day job for a while yeah and if you were lucky enough back then to catch on of course you could finally maybe quit your job but yeah they don't people don't get how hot the musicians we're not like all lazy hippies by any stretch. We're usually really hard workers that have to work multiple jobs and yeah. take a lot on a lot of that learning that craft on our on our free time. So sure. you get to a point where you're like, I have the confidence to display this craft in front of certain people whoever it would have been in the 90s, I don't know who the gatekeepers were then maybe A&R guys, I don't know. Hard to say. Yeah. yeah, but that's amazing. You went for it. You just said, I'm going to Toronto and I'm going to do it.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, again, like, my intention was to get into some kind of writing, like, like find my way into kind of the literary world because I came out of that yeah. kind of uh, training at university. Of course. That's what I wanted to do. And I've just been writing all these songs and I started just playing around little places, Toronto, uh, little holes in the wall, graffitis, free times, uh, there was a little place called Holy Joes that was above the reverb of nice. the corner of Queen and Bathurst which is closed down now um, got torn down unfortunately Queen West? yeah 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 yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, uh, just every every little place you could kind of think of um, uh, we played We I, I played and just went out there and, and uh, you know worked on my tunes worked on you know met a few people and just slowly you know crossed paths with people that were doing a similar thing and yeah you know we just played a lot all the time
0: yeah. yeah and so that's it for you the seeker was playing a lot yeah all the time and of course you went to the you did a lot of people got to understand that um there are often is times where you have to geographically relocate sometimes yeah. you really do need to be in like i find here in niagara we do have we have a great scene of tons of talent here yeah. In this pool, you, I'm sure you get you see it, but rarely do people get out of that pool, get out of that cycle that we're within. And honestly, you have to physically move your body to to different places where you could get seen.
1: Well, and even branching out to do shows, because even when I was in Toronto, I noticed that people were just staying, and there was there are little bubbles in Toronto As to well, yeah, so, yeah. So my sort of thinking was always sort of like outside of that a little bit. Um, you know, uh, I didn't want to just uh, be hanging out in Toronto and play right. shows, like I wanted to really sort of get out there, you know and play as many places as I could so, um,
0: yeah I don't know, I don't know if it's just like a, I don't know Do you remember the moment when it started, you knew you are like, okay think, something's happening, like okay here's a great question who was the first person you opened for and you were like, I can't believe I'm opening for so and so yeah, that's a that's a good question. Like I always think about these things like, oh, if yeah. I could open for so and so. Yeah. Like was there somebody that you always religiously listened to? You had the cassettes, you had the thing CDs maybe at the time. Sure. Yeah, you yeah. listened to it in your car. It's your thing. And then all of a sudden you're opening for one of these artists.
1: We've had a lot of great opportunities for sure over the yeah. years, yeah. Well, for
0: sure. I mean, I dug back 20 years. Okay. Tony. Yeah. And I could see that you've had about a twenty year career. Yeah. yeah, the project goes back about twenty years, but that's
1: again, that's not including the you know, the many years before that leading up to the first album. Right. What but people yeah. don't get. So technically yeah.
0: you're you're a thirty year veteran, but people don't realize that. And you by the way, you're young looking for whatever age you are, Tony. And I was digging in and I'm like, okay, I can see the difference. So fifteen year at about the fifteen year mark. Psh- I could see you're starting to take off. Uh, I look like the Great Lakes had taken off. You're probably on your th- second or third record. Sec- second record, fifteen yeah. years out. Uh, the first one it. has my favorite song on it. That's uh-huh. your very first one, correct? Two thousand three came out. Yeah. Great Lakes Swimmers. Yeah, the self-titled one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then, so I watched the years go, and um, maybe ten years, you hit, you hit, just hit a peak. Man, uh, hundreds of thousands of views, all your videos, you know, you guys were flying high then.
1: Yeah, we had a, we had a, really, a couple really good, well, I mean, I felt like I was on the road for about five years, That's though, too, like leading up to that. The so. only way? Yeah. And
0: you wouldn't have been yeah. able to handle that had you not had your philosophy earlier where I want to play out all the time. Yeah. You were used to playing out.
1: Yeah. Aren't you? you? Yeah, you get really good at, like, being able to pack a bag and pick up uh, really quickly and, and just sort of, like, live a little sort of a norm- nomadic sort of lifestyle, right, right. you know? And the opportunities were there, the doors opened, so it was like, you know, I didn't think too hard about it, I was just kind of following, felt like I was following a path,
0: you know? Yeah, that's amazing, yeah. You you have a certain energy and a a personality that's right for it, you know, like just open-minded and ready to go, like, I, I... yeah. I in my own uh, microcosm had uh, went through where I was really pushing and trying to make something of myself. And there's a there's a blurry line between confidence and ego. And when you get some kind of success, or people are showing up to your shows, and the battle within begins, where yeah. y- you really can just you can sabotage your career quickly with your your beha- your attitude, yeah, and sure. the way you. Yeah. It's all about relationships, and you must obviously you're really good at that. developing them and maintaining them and
1: there's always room for improvement
0: right 20 years though yeah I mean that's a really great and you're still going at it but a 20-year run is amazing when it comes to Canadian music which is you know it's a pretty squeezed thing uh, down you know it's a small community that's right 30% say of the music is supposed to be Canadian content and that's a that's a tough 30 to get into
1: yeah, in a way, I mean, it's you were also, in there, man. It's good that um, we had those uh, uh, Bernie Finkelstein back in the '60s, uh, you know, and '70s uh, sort of developed some of these things for Canada. I think it it, it is a good it's a good thing. Um, it helps to sort of uh, you know helps Canadian culture not be overrun. You know, yeah, yeah, uh, supports its own uh, in, to a certain extent. Um, yeah, I I think it, it can, CanCon's a good thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, and you when you look at the what it's produced, uh, even globally or, sorry, Western, uh, the top of the lines were Canadians. Mm-hmm. Acting, musicians, yeah. even to this day, mm-hmm. there's a Canadian uh, connection. Yeah. We, we, we They they figured it out, eh? There's a wellspring of stuff going on up there. Yeah. You know, let's tap yeah. into them. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One thing I g- I've gained from digging into your stuff is you're an outdoorsy guy, no? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So explain to me, and everyone who hears that name, Great Lake Swimmers, the, the, the picture forms in their mind, obviously, of some guy swimming around in the lake. But really, yeah. could you, do you mind? I don't know if you've had this question a million times. Where does that come from? Were you a swimmer?
1: Yeah, well, I grew up uh, swimming in Lake Erie. Um, I grew up in the, the sort of the, the little farming community of Wayne Fleet, Ontario. Um, Love it. And we were lucky to be five or ten minutes away from... From the from like Long Beach, you know, and like yeah. some of those nice beaches out there in Leafleet. Fleet. So um, we used to go there a lot as a kid. Swam a lot in the lakes, and um, the the name actually was the title of a song. It's the last song on the first album. Right. And I wrote that song, and I thought like, wow, this is actually this could be a really good band name, you know? Yeah, it is. Um, it it was, is. It's a great band name. it Was sort of a singer songwriter project that I had going on, but I always kind of envisioned a band, kind of um, uh, playing the tunes. So. Um, I just kind of took that song title and turned it into the band name. Um, yeah, and that kind of became the first release. Yeah. Um, uh, had very little um, expectations for that first album, um, and thought maybe that um, I would be lucky to sell through a small pressing of four or five hundred copies <laughs> yeah. to my friends and family, and I thought I'd be lucky if I could do that. Um, That's
0: not a bad one market. Four hundred or five hundred. Yeah,
1: I know, right? Like that, that yeah. seemed seemed very ambitious to me actually at the time, um, and uh, but yeah, um, I uh, I didn't have very many ambitions for it. Um, there was no barcodes, there was no yeah uh, managers or record labels. Even it was uh, just released through um, friends who became who did actually helped the band out but by, by helped me out by managing for a number of years but That's awesome. but uh, it was like his art space that he did a weekly or a monthly art event in his apartment right clear all the furniture and it's called WeWork work and um, he had these art salons once a month and you have a musical guest an artist doing um, visual visual, visual art you yeah. have a, a, a someone talking about their either doing a reading or speaking or about the poetry Lord, or something s- something yeah. like that yeah so just a multidisciplinary sort of art scenario um, and we sort of loosely released that album through that art collective, like yeah. that we work on, and it was the name of his art salon, and that was that. Um, so yeah, I really um, had very little expectations for that first album, but it, it did end up resonating with people, and we got through the first pressing in you know six months or something like that, yeah. and then pressed another one, and then it just started kind of growing, growing from there. Right. Uh, it grew from there, um, and. Uh, uh, yeah, all very ind- independently done, all very, no sort of like, no one holding my
0: hand telling me what to do. Just right. kind of like, like I said, following that path. And um. so, to piggyback on what you're saying, this thought came through my head as I was going through your songs. It's A, you've managed to, 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 to grab, like, Great Lake Swimmers invokes this, you know, this organic feeling. Your music is very organic, I'd say it touches in folk, bluegrass, singer-songwriter. Um, so on and so forth in Canadiana mm-hmm. um, and I'm listening through it and I'm like you know you have this very controlled beautiful silky voice right and then you have these folk songs coming in behind you that sound like they're going to be somewhat predictable mm-hmm. but they aren't mm. here's what I enjoyed as a songwriter listening to you composing your words and going in directions I didn't think Uh, I didn't see it coming. If you know what I mean, like your wording, you're making some unorthodox uh, decisions with your songs that had you just stayed, say, and not ended it with a minor here or did this and that, you would have had a much more um, bubbly, gummy vibe in some of your stuff because they're beautiful compositions. And then I'm thinking to myself, you know what, Tony is making some unpredictable things with these songs. And that's what I'm, I, I appreciate. Huh. You weren't catering to anybody. No. From what I could tell. Yeah, no. Nobody no. said, you know what you should do here in this song, Tony? You need to, you know, like, let's do it a diminished sus here. So it has this bright... Right, yeah. You, yeah. you didn't yeah. shy away from your stuff sounding somber at times or taking an unorthodox chord. And, and um, so... I, you know, I just wanted to let give you that the props if I could there um, for your songwriting, which you're in a you were you're in a genre that could easily start to sound like everybody else.
1: I appreciate that.
0: But you yeah. made unconventional decisions sometimes with your songs that I respect, hmm. if I may. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, thank you. Um, one of your songs that I I you were uh, I say you're an outdoorsy guy because a couple of your a lot of times you premiered songs with the simplest thing, where you would sit with your acoustic in some kind of nature setting, mm-hmm. uh, often by water. Your mm-hmm. song, a certain light.
1: Yeah, in a certain light. Yeah. In a
0: certain light. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know it until a few days ago. I love it, and you were saying, I, I, there's something about being out and capturing that ambience of nature when you're making your thing. So you, that recording's yeah. gorgeous because. You literally have the lapping ebb and flow. Yeah. That was the like whole superior, time actually. Yeah, that, that was you're great. playing yeah. as this perfect bout. Ba- did you um I know this, this, we're getting in the studio thing, but like did you balance that or was that a natural straight up recording? Oh that was a straight up recording. So so great, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, all of that stuff, all of those location recordings that we've done, I've kind of insisted on using the sound of the place. That's you know, it. I love that. We kind of don't add. It's not like a sound effect or something. No. Like that was the sound. It's a document of a time and a place and that the is. environment in which it's happening. So, um, yeah, I've always been sort of fascinated by that on some level. So um, I've kind of strived for that in, in all of the recordings in one way or another. You yeah. Are
0: you an um, autobiographical kind of person? are you creating uh, stories little novellas if you will with each song or
1: in some ways yes but I also like to think it's a way of of or it's just a way of looking at something it's almost like just like a philosophical thing it's not really I'm telling it's not like a diary and yeah yeah it's like a character and, and
0: even if I use me or I it's not always me or singer it's, it's I my, is just it's me taking the you know helping the, people identify it yeah with an I. oh I identify with that yeah. yeah.
1: It's it's a very conversational songwriting, so it's a it's a that is a helps uh, create a more direct connection when you're using the first person.
0: Yeah, we me and you just ran into each other at a uh, New Year's Eve. Yeah, Camp Cataract. What's the connection there? You
1: and Adam? Yeah, I met Adam through a couple of a couple other friends of mine, and uh, he just said, Hey, we're doing a thing on New Year's Eve. Come down if you want and play a few tunes. And, yeah. Um, I've got two small children and. Uh, you know, we we celebrated New Year's Eve at 7 o'clock when the uh, UK, uh, you know, the UK ball dropped in oh, okay. London, you know, so because they're five hours ahead. So, I mean, they're in bed early is my point, so I was able to... Oh, move. okay. I was going to yeah. say,
0: what's the connection there? Are you married to a, an, an English woman? No, no. <laughs> okay. No,
1: we just did that for the kids so that <laughs> yeah. they could go to bed and they could say, Happy New Year. And, yeah. you know, it's Happy New Year in England. and then
0: Yeah, know, they got uh, to realize Dad works at night.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, was, totally. But haven't Haven't been working as much as I'd like to over the last couple of years, but it's starting to come back. Yeah. Um. Anyway, that's the connection, though, and I figured, uh, well, they're going to be in bed early anyway. I can pop out and play a few songs. That's
0: that was great, Well, I'm that's glad because Thunderclap is coming on here in a couple of weeks. Amazing. And yeah. I'm going to try to get him brilliant. to articulate that songwriting process. Yeah. I mean, you've seen his performances. Yeah, it's
1: incredible. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So.
0: That's going to be amazing, and and I do want to, like, I'm not going to with you, but, like, I do want to try to inch in where I can play with my guests. You know why selfishly I get to play with Great Lakes Swimmers today? That's a selfish way of looking at it, but also I just wanted to create that jam vibe. But by the time he's in in two weeks, I'm like, listen, out, I'm not even going to dare try to play anything with you because I've never in my life seen anything like it. Yeah. or how you can follow along because it almost looks like he's making it up as he goes but yet he isn't. Yeah. It's like a controlled chaos. Yeah, yeah. 100% yeah. So, uh, yeah, let me move on to uh, what else strikes me about the about uh, you guys. Now you have you, but you also have a full band. Are they
2: the same grouping? Yeah. You same. had
0: them at the, the, the Dunville Canada Games show. Yes, we did. During yeah. some videos yeah. with you.
1: Yeah. Um, so it's always been a bit of a revolving cast, actually, through the years. Um, it kind of, I felt like at the beginning it was kind of like a collective vibe. It was almost like, you know, whoever was available almost would just come and hop up and play the show. We'd, yeah. We'd rehearse for an hour beforehand and then hop up and play. And that's that. And that was that. Um, and then I got to, you know, using more regular players over the years. I find that each album calls for a little bit of a different different instrumentation and musicians yeah, yeah. so we've just sort of left it as this revolving door of musicians um, that's actually been different with every album and the touring band has been oh, okay. slightly different with every album as well so then people come in and out of the mix for different reasons uh, you know people have uh, uh, you know maybe their own projects or their own careers that they want to pursue and being on the road half the year doesn't stop no, you know if they, hard. people have kids and stuff too so they want to start families, So people kind of come in and out of the mix for, for different reasons. Um, and, you know, the, the positive side of that is that um, there's always, feels like this fresh blood coming into the band. You know, yeah. There's always kind of fresh ideas and new takes on the music. And I really encourage the the, the players to add their own um, uh, spin on things in the band. You know, it's not it's like way. we're trying to make it sound like the album. We're, we're just trying to present the songs in, a, in an interesting way um, and in a new way potentially so yeah the band's been a revolving door of musicians I kind of feel like sometimes
0: like I'm a director that likes to Mm. kind of like call on a lot of the same actors you know yeah yeah. film so same like like they say the secret to directing is uh, casting yeah once you got your trusted people you can sort of say okay
1: yeah uh, then you can you can kind of do something with it, and so it's been kind of like that. We've the the band's been the the drummers uh, have been kind of rotating in and out over the last couple years. Uh, and I say the last couple years, I really mean like the last couple years before the pandemic. Um, yeah. Because what it's happened been pretty then quiet. for
0: you? Can I? You know, let's know. you know we don't have to like talk yeah, no, about any politics with with the pandemic. But yeah. my God, at that point, my friend, I was doing like five six different venues events here in niagara i was everywhere i was very omnipresent to the point where i realized you're watering yourself down but slow it down the thing hit and i was yeah. like i'm off that hamster wheel where i'm yeah, where yeah I'm running out to and if i'm not doing my own show i'm doing my own event if i'm not doing my own event i'm showing up at somebody's show because it's all about supporting each other for sure yeah and i was partnering with um with my partner at the, my my uh my wifey jill and i were doing it all together we were working together every day sleeping together eating together it was just you know it was and then it hit and i'm like i'm off the hamster wheel and then four months into it i'm like i'm never ever going to get that back yeah i'll never have that that hold
1: the momentum have that
0: path carved again yeah no have you found that you've gotten your momentum back
1: no um (laughs) yeah yeah, it it really felt like slamming the brakes on a train, you know? It's like it's really hard to get that train going oh, again. Man. Um we had to cancel 3 weeks of dates in Europe um at the end of at the beginning of April. Um we were luckily we were at the end of our album cycle because our album came out in late 2018. So by the time it was late 2019, early 2020, we were kind of wrapping it up. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we still had a lot of shows on the books for 2020 and uh as we know everything got canceled, so um yeah, it was a really sort of weird, rough couple of years, to be honest. Yeah, and Especially yeah. with small kids, too, you know, You know, like, um, you know. The money was
0: gone. I was yeah. living, I was, like, making a living, which is very difficult, Niagara, to say, hey, I'm making a living musically here. And then that one, that's gone. You just can't get it back here. And now you were, I'm thinking at this point, that's a lot of money left on the table. Yeah. You know, you're talking European dates, too? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, and, and the thing is, is that, you know, to set something like that up, it takes months of kind of prep work. Um, all of the routing, all of the... the, the, the Combinations, everything accommodations, I know. the flights, and the, 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 the sort of the publicity that goes into something like that. Yeah. The venues of promoting your shows. Um, That all takes a long time to get the sort of wheels turning on that. So, you know, I want to say like six months of prep time, you Yeah. know, for, for a two or three week tour. So that was all lost. That was the main thing. Yeah. I was able to get refunded for my flights and all that. So that was... You know, thankfully they, that wasn't too difficult to do, but you know, it's like I, I felt like we had a really great album run I was feeling like I was in a really good spot. Yeah, And yeah. then it sort of just shut down. So Yeah, it was really really tricky. What album was yeah.
0: were you promoting at that time?
1: It was called the waves the waves the wake the waves the Wake. yeah Yeah, came out in late 2018 and then we did an acoustic version of it the next year in 2019
0: Can I ask you a couple so, of real questions about the industry when you were kind of coming in you, What did it cost? to get, were you on uh, Terrestrial Radio for a while? CBC, yeah, the FM yeah, radio is sure. around here?
1: Not really FM too much, but well, what's yeah, I'm CBC, thinking what would college play, radio.
0: What would play your style of music? It might not make much, but CBC. Yeah. Did you have to put together campaigns to get your stuff? Um, Let's ask her like a real question. What sure. does something like that cost somebody? Yeah. Uh, okay, because there's a lot of people here. Uh, through Niagara, and they're like, okay, I want to get my stuff on the radio. And I don't think they realize that you usually have to pay for a campaign yeah, of some sort through PRs. I wasn't personally directly involved because mm-hmm. I was that was my label that took care of that. Gotcha. Was, so you, were, yeah. you had a label. Yeah. Back when that was, when labels were, were doing those kinds of things. Yeah. I don't know that they do that anymore, but they might. So what do you? Th- what would that cost somebody? Say they're on the side yeah. <laughs> You don't know it. Eh? Yeah,
1: that's not. Wasn't my. That's kind of beyond my scope. Beyond it's, your scope. It's a tricky beast. Um, yeah. that was taken care of by the label. Um, I was signed to Network Records for a, a very good long run, including on that album. Good things to um, say about
0: them, Network. Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah. yeah, they were great. Um, but yeah, as far as like what it costs to get on the radio, like, I mean, yeah, uh, there's, I I mean, I was aware that of the campaigns and I participated in Yeah. but in in terms of like the real nuts and bolts of it, I know that it goes, there's a wide range. There's independent companies that will, that can do that maybe a a little bit more cost effective and economical. And then there's major, you know, FM campaigns.
0: There are the ones that are 10 to 15,000, three months ish. Sure. You know and I think that's what people need to realize is like you know there's there's a lot of business to it and you got you're gonna find that out you know and if you can navigate and uh, keep your like you were able to which is a great example 20 years I know it's longer than that but 20 years uh, on record on the internet yeah so you exist for 20 years and you are able to uh, do like to have nobody tell you what to do but yet Have a label paying for your campaigning. You—that's incredible.
1: It it helped that we did like you know, uh, ten plus years of legwork. That's right. right. You know, and And they're
0: like, he knows what he's doing.
1: Well, no, and I mean, it got picked. We we showed that there was. um, We did a lot on our own before we got that opportunity. We were already able to kind of build an audience without having a label um, like that to help us. Um, They kind of stepped in at the right time uh, and helped us kind of. Go further. You know? So that
0: was pre the place where we're at, where it wasn't about followers, was it? And all no, that it stuff was, back then. Yeah, there
1: was. I think even when we started, I think maybe MySpace was a thing, but it was
0: certainly before Facebook became a concern, and definitely way before streaming. There was and no Instagram. Having there was no hundreds Instagram. of thousands Instagram, or they don't even look at you a label. Yeah, I, I,
1: I'm not. It seems strange to me that that's a litmus for for. Um, for talent. Um, I know.
0: I know. Um, because I know. it's, uh,
1: you, you know. It's I,
0: the fringe people are the people really that you want to get your hands on, not the people who bought hundreds of thousands of viewers, followers. Yeah, right?
1: exactly, yeah. Um, I, I, I have my own sort of uh, views on some of that stuff. But, right. So um, I won't get kind of into no, it too much. No, it's dead. Um, but, um, yeah, it, uh, all that, just to kind of finish the thought, it really helped that we were able to sort of build a following and start a campus radio and sleeping on floors on tour and kind of like that's we what really, I want to hear man we really he did it organically yeah, yeah absolutely and there was no sort of There's end game no there no was no way like, around it. there was no sort of like we want to achieve this or get this or right. we want to, you know it was just kind of like making music is its own reward.
0: I, I feel good about doing it regardless of if I'm sleeping on a floor yeah. or whatever. So David Grohl um, tells everyone and he's the biggest guy band yeah. in the world he goes, if you think you're gonna make it, you're never gonna make it if yeah. you go out there with your band, I'm going to make it.
3: Yeah.
0: He goes, No, no. Playing music has to be your own reward. Yeah. And somehow, that's great. The universe will yeah. meet you halfway if it's meant. Yeah. You know, and it's really like, I, that's why I just, I'm just saying, man, 20 years, 30 years, for you to still be doing it and still have a very positive vibe about it. And, and uh, it's great, man. I really, I really respect that. Moving into something me and you, talked about can you touch on you said something about an upcoming double live album, or it's been released yeah it was sort of a pandemic project okay let's yeah. since we just kind of got yeah. into the pandemic tell me about this cool project yeah so let's well, get the word out
1: well I I had some time to go through um my archives during the kind of the lockdowns and aside from you know working on new songs and getting a new album together I also was able to go through all of these old hard drives of stuff all of these old digital recordings that that people had either sent to me or that we had done and I'd kind of forgotten about I found this really beautiful recording that was done by the CBC actually Um, and it was one of our album release shows from years ago Um, the release show for our third album actually Um, and uh, it was uh, engineered and produced by Ron Skinner um, at the CBC and he um, he uh, did a really fantastic job recording it in this church um, in Toronto. And I listened through the recordings and, and I was like, wow, it's like, this would be a great thing to do in between, you know, in this downtime. Yeah. You know? So I just, it was sort of independently released, um, just in the, on LP and then like streaming and stuff. Uh, and we got in touch with the CDC to try to like work with them to get the rights on it. Um, took about a year. <laughs> To, to kind get of, the rights from CBC, just to go through to all the red tape and get through to all the right people and uh, contracts and stuff like yeah, that have yeah. to be made because it's a it's a you know it's a corporation you sure? that you have to deal with and it's a business too. So we it's, had to we had to go through all the right channels. That's but, what one of the C's it says, corporation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it took a long time to get to the right people to kind of push it through. But from the time we got the idea to the time it was actually released was the span of about a year. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, and that's including time to like press the vinyl, you know, as as we all know, that's um, um, the vinyl pressing. Yeah, uh, delay the... times are, are pretty insane because uh, um, the backup a... plus the process. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's a uh, you know just a, vin- a bit of a vinyl renaissance happening right now, where everyone's kind of listening to records. You're right, on, so. it's
0: back. Yeah, it's like everything. It's it's cool to be retro in a lot of ways, but yeah. it's wonderful that albums come back as a guy okay so m- like you me chasing music my whole life was all about the writing like he yeah. sure I loved music but well, I became obsessed with the lyrics and then of course every CD you got you tore it open and you you go For through sure. those things and the but, books became just as important not the books but the booklet inside the book, the and, and the notes, way they yeah. constructed that and yeah. the vibe they created sometimes with you know the way it was written and gave you the Creates this almost almost like a whole film score. All of a sudden, the record becomes a, a score yeah. to yeah. me, a soundtrack, and especially concept records. I can't get enough of that stuff. And so now you had a CD run where you're like selling Great Lake Swimmer CDs. Where yeah. you were after cassettes never happened. No, I,
1: I was. I've been thinking about cassettes actually, just as a cool <laughs> yeah. promo thing. Because like think, that'll be the next yeah, thing. Yeah, cassettes they, are so, back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, just as a kind of like a little kind of promo thing, I think it might be fun to do because I remember cassettes, of course, um, because I'm old enough to remember when cassettes were still a thing, yeah, um, but uh, and actually, I'm old enough to remember when vinyl was still a thing, but it's it's I love that it's kind of come around again, but all that being said, like it would just be fun to do a small run of cassettes just yeah. You know, a promo, a nice cool little promo item.
0: And anything to stand out. Like and the LPs being back gives you or whoever an opportunity to present more than just a dit now you get this thing again. Yeah. With like all the great you know, now you're including your lyrics in there again and now you're telling maybe story you coming from an art a lot of art background, I can see it in your video making too, that you're you're you have associations with filmmakers. Yeah, people who are artsy. I can yeah. see it—the well, sure. mixture of your organic and artsiness in your videos—and uh, you're going to be able to tell much more of a story with your LPs, you know. And that's 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 really cool. The double record. Did I? Did you get to finish your thought? If I interrupted, I'm sorry. No, okay. Uh, the the double live gets. In, you had a year to get to it. Now it's released,
1: correct? Yeah, it was released in. It's released. I guess 2021
0: we got that on spotify yeah it's that, up there. that's that's yeah. what's it called i want people to check this uh, out It's live at the redeemer live at the redeemer yeah right, like swimmers
1: yeah yeah that's the that was the again like sort of a pandemic project but we did decide to make physical like it, it took up four sides of a, of a record so we we made a double lp um had some nice artwork done for wow. it um and uh
0: so you're basically like acting like kiss at this point you're bringing a double platinum record right to the.
1: I don't know about that, but we did we did get through our little pressing, so that was good. I'm happy to. I'm happy to. Yeah. Takes me
0: to uh, another topic uh, that would be so timely to touch on, as I'm sure you've heard. Two What's thousand that? more graves. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, potentially. Yeah. Potentially there, there anomalies and in the, in the
0: anomalies mm-hmm. and uh, under yeah. possibly underground dwellings. Yeah. Or, or room, whatever they call them, and uh, now, uh, I, and, and my my partner who couldn't come today, done meeting. She just told me, but she sent me some some. She's an advisor to the Niagara Health System, so she okay. sent me some stuff to uh, the Mohawk, like things. If I, so, I sound like I'm smart and I know what I'm talking. Oh, about. I see. Yeah, I, I don't want to say the wrong thing, but. Um, her father went through the Mohawk, the Hole, which is probably the most famous residential school, and wow. she taught many, many stories. Uh, she also was a victim of the Sixties Scoop, you know, the taken from her parents, promised to be brought back, you wow. know, once the parents got on their feet, you know, traded for, for blankets and, and food and stuff at the time, and then, uh... Course they don't know what they're signing. And now they're signing their kids away. And then these kids are sold for 20, 40 bucks a piece as adoption. So she was literally through it. And the stories that her father went through had destroyed him and the mush hole. And um, so this topic is very personal to her. And I said to her, listen, I know you can't be there, but listen to this song. The Legend of Bobby the Bird. Which brings me to you. Yeah. Art Bergman wrote a cover. He wrote the song.
1: The Sorry, the song.
0: Yeah. yeah. From, I believe, a, a short story or a story he read. He read a, sto- a news item, yeah, in Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan. Yeah. Can you can you fill us in on this, a little bit of the story, what you know, so I don't say the wrong thing, and why that? Why did you cover it? Like, what brought you to this place? Yeah, uh, it's, it's a it's whole... A, it's great. It's a, you're not indigenous, correct?
1: No, um, uh, it was a whole confluence of things. Um, um, I almost like don't know where to start. Right. I, I, sorry. Yeah, yeah. It's a big
0: thing. So. Yeah. Why? Why Bobby Brown? What? Why, why? Why that song? What? Did you yeah. hear the song? Go. I love this song. Or did you go? This story hmm. has to be continued and shared again. Both of those things. Kay. Yeah.
1: So. I've, on one hand, I've been a very big Art Bergman fan uh, yeah. for many, many years. He's, I think, one of Canada's underrated and underappreciated songwriters. Um, I'm going him now too. Yeah. yeah, like he basically like was a, a pioneer of punk music on the on the West Coast in Vancouver yeah. in the '70s. Um, he's now he had a, a whole songwriting career throughout the '90s, um, and I think he's making some of his best work now in his later his, his later chapter of his career. Um, importantly, uh, political person, uh, 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 very sort of uh, uh, politically motivated, yeah. and 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 a, a real sort of like force for change, um, and uh, I, uh, someone that I admire greatly. And um, so, um, on one hand, there was my love for Art Bergman, who I think is a great songwriter. Okay. And on the other hand, um, is the um, the sort of the. Uh, uh, trying to do my part to understand truth and reconciliation in Canada yeah. um, uh, I've been through the, um, the, the C3 journey uh, for Canada's 150 which quickly turned from a, a celebration of Canada's 150 years to uh, a, a sort of like uh, in a, a journey of learning how Canada is so much older than 150 years oh, yeah. um, and that our history literally goes back thousands of years to time immemorial um, and the people who have been stewards of this land long before yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. any any uh, colonizers came to North America. So, oh, yeah, um, yeah. so on this other hand, there was this kind of curiosity to really identify um, Canada's uh, uh, true and far-reaching true. history.
0: Authenticity is yeah. what we all want.
1: Yeah. We, so
0: we, we, nothing seems real and, anymore, and people are calling out for authenticity. And now that is a real story that Canada needs to realize. This is really what's happened and it's still happening
1: yeah so that really resonated with me um, yeah. that sort of like that a songwriter that I really admired also kind of like wrote about this topic mm-hmm. that was also you know important to me um and so uh, that's how that sort of came together um now the story is of um a student of a residential school in Saskatchewan that went missing that left you know trying to make his way back home in the winter time and just they didn't find him until I mean 20 or 30 years later, 1999 is when they finally found him. He had surviving siblings that had always wondered what, what, what happened. And, and they um, they found uh, DNA evidence in, in the late 90s. And, and he was it was, yeah. he
0: was like, uh, like his bones were in the woods somewhere? Yeah, like exactly. He just basically yeah. died of exposure, exactly. maybe, or something, yes. he just got lost in. Yeah, yeah. And this is like, well, I mean, obviously this was Gord's last push when yeah. he knew he was dying, was to get that yeah. that store through. Uh, sorry, Will w- Will Mac. Sorry, uh, what's his name? Uh, his records. Uh, uh, Cheney Wenjack. Thank you.
1: Yeah.
0: Same, similar. Store.
1: Yeah, very similar. And around it, it, actually, those two songs that that Art Bergman song was was uh, came out either just before that Secret Path or just app, like it was around the same time. Yeah. Like the, yeah. It was. A, it's a really. It's on. It's it's on everyone's mind, and I'm I'm glad that it is because. um the, uh, the sort of the generational trauma that's coming from that is, is, is what, you know, we need to be the first generation that shoulders some of that burden mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. tries to understand, mm-hmm. really, and, mm-hmm. and do our part in that sort of, um, uh, you know, that investigation
0: of what really happened and, and, and to come to terms with it. We know? are, on a, and on a global level, people are starting to uh, be like, hmm, Roman Catholic Church, you know, like yeah. starting to finally go, hmm, the Vatican. This, there's something very off yeah. about this whole Roman Catholic history, in the way they continued to protect these these terrible people and hide it. And yeah. So, through this Canadian experience, we're starting to see a a, a a a ripple effect of how people are starting to say, you know what, enough with this. Yeah. Letting everything go about the Roman Catholic Church and what you know. So, yes. I think that's one great thing. Can I ask that you, you got your guitar here and we're gonna hopefully do a song or two, it's up to sure. you. Yeah. Would you do Bobby Burt? Is that a song you can do yeah. acoustically, feel comfortable, but well, it's sure. got a killer percussion, Yeah. which to me is one of the main things that makes that song, that, that, that yeah. just driving you yeah. along, you know, you can imagine sort of someone, this kid running along the path, you know, to this yeah. percussive beat. but. Uh, I would I, love for you to play it today.
1: Ironically, um, the Art Bergman version of that song is just acoustic. It's yeah. just guitar and vocals, but I wanted to do something different to kind of also honor like Art's sort of past, too, and also, as you said, to kind of move the song a Yeah,
0: little. I was yeah, like, oh, jeez, Tony, you sound like 2023 here.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, we did something a little different with That was song. great. Um, started that uh, almost five years ago, uh, and then we finished it up last year. We put it in the can because we just ran out of time, and uh, I got busy with touring. And then yeah. um, the reason why I also wanted to do it um, in, a, in another timely matter is because there was a book that had came out about Art Bergman's life. Okay. So in partial, in, in part, it was also an impetus to kind of finish off the song yeah. and get it out there
0: yeah. Um, yeah.
1: to sort of celebrate the sort of release of the the
0: biography, Art Bergman's biography. Well, I can see so, that, that yeah. doing Art Bergman it's just as important to you as the topic like yeah. you really hear it in your That I have an artist like that from the um, he's from Chester, Pennsylvania and he's he was a Nashville guy nobody really in Canada knows very much about him Matthew Ryan and uh, I you know I drove out to Philly to see him and he's just one of those guys the songwriters his first record changed my life like wow. hearing this guy sing with this raspy po- unbelievably written songs mm-hmm. um, and I was like I could do it I can, because that's how I sound. Yeah. And look at these beautiful records and all this. The, I can do this. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone had one. Usually a lot of people talk about the Beatles or different things that said, I can do this. Yeah. Uh, I want to be like that. But it was really, for me, it was a guy no one's heard of. And like you, it's this guy, Art Bergman, more people have heard of, but.
1: Not really, though. Yeah, not enough, yeah, right? Yeah, he's a pretty obscure uh, artist, really, all things considered. Um, but yeah, I feel also a really sort of un- underappreciated Canadian artist, for sure. Yeah, yourself. Yeah. I uh, think you are I, I don't know I mean I've, I've been lucky to yeah. have a career in music all these years
0: so I mean um, I, I have no real yeah that's a blessing eh? yeah I, I want to, to go back to something I want to ask you really you probably don't know you're talking about the European touring how many times has you toured Europe may I ask oh too many to count okay yeah. tell me some but... of the best spots of Europe <laughs> for you, real. Get, tell me the real, like the real meat potatoes. What's where's the best European spots for you? Would you say? Uh geez, yeah. Well, there's
1: my one of my most favorite venues is a place called Vera in the Netherlands. Oh, see, I just um, want to hear about these places like. Yeah, Ooh. yeah. I, I mean, we we've played there a number of times. Uh, it's in a. Uh, a city called Groningen, um, and uh, it's kind of in the northern part of the Netherlands. Um, How far removed from uh, Amsterdam? Oh, I, everything is probably only a couple hours removed to such a small country, country you know. Yeah. A couple hours, I think. Yeah. 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 Um, and, um, yeah, it's great. It's a great venue. Uh, the philosophy is there, the, the sort of the ethic is there. Uh, it's just a, a really community-based venue. I don't know. It's just it's it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I I just love it there. Yeah.
0: How but, does like yeah. a, a bluegrass folk band from Canada end up in the Netherlands? Like, to me, it's like how do you sell this? Like, yeah, you're gonna go into this town. No one's gonna know who you are. And you're there for how long? One night, two nights?
3: Yeah, one night usually, yeah. One
0: night's not enough to build a, a following like they used to, Rick said they used to do that. You'd go on tour, you'd be at one place for a week. Yeah. So by the end of the week, you've built this following from that town, you'd move on. for. So you've got to go in one night into a a, a European place. So your, your label yeah. is, sco- is, 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 is arranging all these spots for you in, in Europe. Yeah, yeah.
1: The label and the agent will set it up, yeah um Like we were just asked, you know, have you ever thought about you know releasing your records in Europe and, right, and touring right. here? And and I just because uh, a lot I, of people don't had, know these things. I had to That's take like a bit of a leap of faith, yeah, and just kind of do it and, and kind of trust my my sort of gut and and just take a chance. At the beginning, I first went over just by myself. Actually, on one of the it was the second record, I think, or maybe the, the end of the first record was the first time that I went over um and it's they soloed. Sort of, yeah, and they just kind of put me on the road with another band. Um, can I ask who? Um, yeah, it was a a, a singer songwriter uh, called Jesse Sykes okay. uh, from the U.S. and gotcha. the band was called The Sweet Hereafter. So it was Jesse Sykes and The Sweet Hereafter. Gotcha. The, yeah. Um, and so I was I I, I spent uh, two or three weeks something like that maybe four weeks on on the road with them. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and 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 uh, sort of got to know the ropes a little bit. And eventually I was able to put together my own band. And, and, yeah. You know, it was just like we just it was really a slow build. You know, we had to go over a couple times to sort of to sort of start building an audience but yeah. then slowly if you stick with it you know sometimes it works out um and uh and we were able to kind of like you know reach people there
0: you've been on the road a lot ben. yeah and you've flown been in the air a lot
1: oh yeah 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 for sure yeah geez
4: man yeah
1: True
0: yeah yeah in a way yeah yeah
1: um it's been nice to kind of like be able to sort of like over time put a band together
0: and you know, and do really make the music that I want to make. You do. I mean, you do. You make. Uh, listening to your music is is um, it's an activity in, um, listening. Yeah. You know, like cause in Niger, there's a, there's generally, mm, it's not always the the best place to grow as an original artist. You know, it's a lot of rudimentary songwriting tends to take the, the stance. Uh, I call it cock rock. G- sure. Do you know what I mean, like, like that kind of stuff gets noticed way more yeah, than like, like what a... me and you are doing, which is a song, singer-songwriter thing. Yeah. People want to sell alcohol. Venues tend to control things, and they want to make money off it. Yeah. So for you to carve your path in that the the genre and the lane you're in is uh, kudos f- for sure from me. And can I ask you to step back? I don't know how many years. Tell me what that song's about. Uh, moving pictures silent films oh right. now you're eating seeds underground. you've got yeah you know it's you're very poetic when you tell your things and uh and I can tell you come from a writing background yeah because you're like me you're more of a writer than you are a musician not you but me I'm saying I realize I'm I'm a better writer than I am a musician Hmm. to be honest with you but Mm -hmm. I music is the most for me the purest way for me to get what's in here out
1: yeah, it is a very direct
0: channel of right? all of the arts. And we are able most to touch art. places yeah. of humans, like, in their spirit, places that are, will arouse certain things. And yeah. But I, at the heart of it, I'm a writer trying to tell stories and trying to get people to identify with me, or I'm trying to push or carry hope or, or spread light, whatever I can do as a, as a, as a, as a writer. <laughs> and um, so I, go, I, I my, the first time I was t- taken and captured by your song, is this song where does it come from how did that happen it's so haunting I don't I'd love for you to play it as well today but I, time. We can. again we can. I'm asking you to dig yeah. all the way back to the beginning yeah. and you're like I've written like a billion better songs than that since like come on I get where you're coming from but for me it was just you know how music attaches to memories yeah yeah for that's sure. all I'm saying yeah, and yeah. I had that Great Lakes was- thing that summer and the song catch me and it's like Wow, just this dude and his voice, and I possibly a little reverb on your guitar. I'm not even sure. Yeah, we pure. Re- we recorded
1: that in an old silo, actually. That was all like sort of the natural reverb from this big concrete. That's it, silo. eh? Yeah. It's
0: very yeah. N- Nebraska. Yeah. Oh, that's right. It's you I and your guitar. Yeah. Nothing yeah, to yeah. freaking hide behind. Yeah, I love that. On that first record. That's and a great reference. Yeah. Sorry. So, let you explain a little bit of what that song is. I've always wanted to ask songwriters when I love a song, what are you writing about? Uh, yeah, and so I'm going to do that right now. I'll put you on spot. Yeah, what was sure. that song
1: about? No, it's it's fine actually because that song has kind of stayed in the set with us too. Over the I years. noticed. That's, that's one of the ones that sort of like that hasn't sort of been just tucked away for 20 years. Like that one actually is still
0: very much alive. That within that it. shows the the power of that song.
1: Yeah, it just it has it just has legs. I'm never I'm never tired of singing it. I'm never tired of doing it. Um, It just sort of continues to almost unfold even all of these years later, and and as time goes on, this sort of my my relationship to it and the meaning that I, you know, ascribe to it changes over time and has changed since then.
0: Get it that totally.
1: So, um, um, but yeah, definitely. um, I wanted to write a song that was sort of about um, hibernation. Really, was the kind of a bit of like the core of the sort of the idea behind it, or the, the the mechanics of the song. Because I just think that the idea of hibernation, especially being a Canadian, is just such a lovely metaphor, Yeah. Um, uh, so I, I kind of applied that to, like, you know, going to sleep for a period of time or sleeping through a difficult time, um, and sort of, you know, in the spring you wake up when the, yeah. sort of the storms have ended and the ice starts to melt, and yeah, yeah. you start to get gain a new perspective and you kind of wake from that slumber and, and sort of um, uh, go out and you're hungry again and you want to explore that's it, again.
0: That's it. That's it. You know, so, uh, um, um, uh, p- poetic of what, what, what's happening now after yeah, this pandemic. That's true. Some of us are feeling like, oh, we're we're awake uh, to it's, what's really going on, but still
1: tentative. I think ex- about leaving leaving the uh, the
0: den. That's right. right. Yeah, we're still but, in this weird hibernation underground phase where yeah. uh, people are still afraid to, uh, and and not only that, no one wants to touch each other, and and like it's it's that that division. It's yeah. what's really scary. We need music now more than ever. Yeah, you know, to bound us that that invisible band between us. Yeah, that's that's connected through sound and resonance. And, yeah. Um. Well, we're at that point where I would ask you to play play some songs. Yeah, I'd be happy to play a few songs. I would yeah. love, sure. love, love. Would you be okay if I? Uh, uh no, that's fine. Yeah. Because I yeah. I will do a, I it. like to do follow up promotions of the guests sure. after yeah and um, and so what I'll do is I'll click a song on okay. and I'll let you get tuned up okay and then we'll be right back with Tony Decker of Great Lake Swimmers all right. And. With Mr. Tony Decker from the Great Lakes Swimmers. He's going to grace us with a couple songs. Um, I'll let you take it from here. What song and what we're doing, my friend?
1: Yeah, um, well, I'd like to play this uh, since we were talking about the legend of Bobby Bird. Yes. Um, uh, maybe I'll go ahead and play that. This is a song written by Art Bergman uh, about a... Um, about a little boy who um, left the residential school and, and was not found, or disappeared into the woods. They found him many, many years later. His name was Bobby Bird. His song is the, the Legend of Bobby Bird.
3: This late October when Bobby ran From the kind of treatment who could understand They beat him every time he opened his mouth They beat him on the back for speaking his tongue When he heard that truck on the road He jumped that ditch And into the woods he strode
0: Yes, so uh, just so you know, uh, as you're playing, uh, thanks for listening, Rob. Uh, Shout out, uh, my buddy, uh, listening and learning. This right here is beautiful, he says. Awesome. Listening to you on the air right now. Thank you so much. Yeah, and uh, through the power of persuasion, I've probably asking you to play, uh, I would say the song to put you on the map, no?
1: It was one of the... It, are we talking about uh, moving picture sound yes, films? Yes, we are. Yeah, that was one of the first songs when I was... Kind of like, aside from like my high school bands and all that, um, one of the first songs that I wrote when I started taking songwriting a little more seriously. Yeah. So that was one of the ones I think I was even still in university when I was writing it and um, started playing it when I moved to Toronto and it ended up as the first song on the first album.
0: Yeah, they put... So. I mean, it pushed. It had the video and, and, and whoever... I don't know whoever told you that was the one was right because it has had this this life with you and your band as well as um I'm just talking about the immediate effect it had on me. So um you know if you would be willing to play that? Yeah, sure I'd love to. It's I'd be happy it's to. It, yeah, it's just a beautiful haunting song and uh this was Songwriters' Lounge with Tony Decker, The Great Lakes Swimmers. And we're going we're gonna, to uh, see you guys all off with uh, Moving Pictures, Silent Films by The Great Lakes Swimmers.
3: nothing
5: I want to talk a little bit about uh, uh, Jason's um, biography, if you will. Uh, He's a professional dog trainer based out of Guelph. Uh, Welcome to the program, Jason. Thank you. It's good to be here, my friend. Yes. And you are a uh, sixth degree black belt master Filipino martial artist. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Also, you're a world traveler. And uh, you spend... You're spending weeks at a time in the wilderness, absolute weeks at a time. What are you doing in the
4: wilderness? (laughs) We'll talk about that.
5: Right, we can talk about that for sure. We will talk about that. Uh, Also, uh, you're into cooking, you have a YouTube channel, YouTube series called Backwoods Cooking. You are second time uh, Juno nominated musician. Uh, I know that you play drums, and I wouldn't be surprised if you play other instruments as well. You are an accomplished ice bath devotee as well, which is very, very exciting, because that's where I want to start with today, is, is talking about the ice
4: baths that you do. Excellent, yeah.
5: All good. Are we all good? Technically, yeah. So um, you, you you do ice baths for, for optimum health.
4: I do indeed, yeah. I'm a, I'm a uh, hardcore ice bather. I'm, I'm really into ice training um, for a number of reasons. I mean, it, it's sort of one of these health uh, things that is kind of trending now, and it has, yeah. probably has been for a while. You know, guys like Wim Hof have kind of popularized this. Yes. Um, I should just let you know that I'm I'm not really a Wim Hof devotee by any means.
0: Okay. Uh,
4: I, you know, I, 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 I'm familiar with his work. I know his approach. Uh, but that's not my approach. I, have, I sort of do my own thing, right? And a lot of people think that if you are going to approach such an extreme uh, activity as ice training or ice bathing, that you have to... Uh, use a, a very specific method like the Wim Hof method, which is not actually factual. You do not, um, right? I
5: mean, there's variations of everything,
4: of course. Yeah, and he's he's sort of become a guru in the field, right? And so people follow his method. But you know, he's you know he's he's out there, right? He's he's uh, you know, he's got his thing going. Um, really, you know, it's just about mindfulness and breathing, right? And, and, and how you're going to deal with that. So. For example, there are, there are many benefits to the health, uh, health benefits to the ice bathing. Um, we know that there's so many different physiological benefits. I could go into detail about all those. But really what attracts me to it is this sort of personal victory, this sense of personal victory. Um, you know, I feel that in, in today's sort of modern day and age, we very rarely have opportunities to really test our metal. To really see what you're made out of, to uh, test your spirit, to test your endurance, right? To really see what you got.
5: And what better way to do it than sink your body into freezing water with ice floating around you?
4: It makes <laughs> it, it makes it real, right? It yeah. makes it real, and if you you know it, it will test you, and you're gonna pass or you're not. So I have been doing it for a while. Uh, so I love the challenge, right? That 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 mindset that um, physical, that endurance, that spirit test. Um, but there's so many amazing benefits from it, but breathing is a really important thing. So, you know, although I decided I don't really follow the Wim Hof method, which is really about, uh, you know, very specific breathing techniques. When you get into that cold water and you go full body submersion in, in that extreme cold, you will experience cold shock, and right. cold cold shock typically lasts from like one minute to four minutes. And the, the 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 fastest easiest way to get through cold shock is just to breathe. Okay. Right. In fact, a lot of survival experts will also suggest that if you do happen to fall through the ice, you need to spend at least a minute or more, however long it takes to get control of your breathing, get over the panic, and then you start looking for your exit. It's the same thing with recreational or, or healthful ice bathing. Once you get in there, you have to spend enough time breathing, get your because when you experience heart uh, sorry, cold shock, your heart rate goes up, your blood pressure goes up, your your respiration rate goes up, and it's really about getting control of your breath, getting control of your heart rate, and then you can hit the sweet spot and you are cruising at that point.
5: Now, how long did you stay in the cold ice bath the very first time you tried it?
4: The very first time uh, I did it, I actually did it in the Rockies, in one of these like sort of glacier rivers, yeah. which are extremely cold. And I think my first time in, I was like six or seven minutes.
5: Okay, so you're conscious of the time, or you just gauge it how you feel? Really?
4: Uh, initially, I was sort of going by the time, uh, but now I just kind of go by feel. And uh, I surprise myself sometimes how long I can actually stay in there. I've gotten, my personal best is 17 minutes in water that's about, you know, one and a half degrees Celsius. Wow. Yeah, and yeah. hypothermia doesn't really kick in until 20 to 30 minutes. Okay. Right? So, I, you know, I, I kind of come out at 17 minutes just, just before we get into sort of hypothermic territory.
5: Yeah, so I want to ask you, you know, how do you feel when you're in it? When you're in that freezing water, and then of course maybe you know, talk about how you feel when you come out, and and what what some of the health benefits are to kind of reiterate that. So yeah. when you're when you're in there and you're in this freezing water, mm-hmm. like, do you, do you feel uh, do you feel a little
4: bit heady? Like, do you feel headstoned or do you feel clarity
5: in the mind? Like, just des-
4: describe how you feel. Sure. Well, I I personally find find Real clarity and peace in that water. So, um, you know, when I'm in there, I, I feel this amazing sense of calm and 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 serenity. Um, it, it, it's amazing, actually, and, and and I can really hit a zone now where I feel just amazing while I'm in there. So, once you accept that it's going to be cold, and of course, you have to want to do it, right? You can't just do it and not want to do it you have to want it so i i want it yeah so i'm in there i'm enjoying it i love it and so when i'm in there i find this amazing sense of tranquility uh i'm working on my breathing and it's like a meditation in a sense um probably at about the four or five minute mark what i tend to feel is you 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 stop feeling the cold and all the blood vessels kind of come to the surface of your skin so you start now you start to feel this tingling on the skin which really feels like heat right it feels warm at a certain point you kind of i'm trying to picture this you get over this hump and it it starts to feel warm and then and then you know it's a it's a beautiful feeling but what does happen is eventually your you know your extremities get cold right like get much colder so like my fingers my toes end up getting cold and at a certain point i'm like okay now uh, does it start to burn after a while, it is, is it is it a burning sensation? Not to put words in your mouth. But. Yeah, it's kind of a burning sensation. Yeah, it's kind of a burning sensation, but it's not like you know, a, you know, a sunburn kind of feeling or, or or heat burning. It's just sort of like just feeling the blood vessels sort of come to the surface a little bit. So you get more of a sort of a tingly feeling, which could be, you know, I I kind of interpret sometimes as warmth.
5: Yeah. So when you when you when you come out of it, right, you start to thaw out.
4: <laughs> yeah, it takes it takes a while. So you got to thaw out, right? Right. And I always I have sort of a, a a protocol that I kind of follow when I come out. I always have a hot cup of amazing like ginger tea with like turmeric and ashwagandha and all this type of stuff in it and and it's just a, this very sort of, uh, I will call it a, like a very healthful, hot elixir, which right. just supercharges you Not up again. caffeine. Well, there's a lot of caffeine in there. Okay, oh, yeah. there is caffeine Strong in there. Strong black tea as a base with ginger, boiled up right. with ginger, and okay. then I add that other stuff in. Healthy, healthy. Yep. And um, so when you come out, what, what will happen is even when you're in the water, you, you get this sort of surging cascade of hormones and neurotransmitters, right? You get a huge increase in dopamine, uh, endorphins, norepinephrine, uh, neuroadrenaline. So you, you, which will will kind of last for hours after your cold exposure. So you really, uh, you ultimately, you feel like a superhero for hours to come. So after far, you get far, out.
5: far, far better than any drug could do.
4: I think so. I mean, yeah, it depends what you're looking for, but yeah, sure. yeah. In my opinion, yes, it's it's uh, it's it's absolutely there because we're 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 tapping into all these things that our body will make naturally.
5: Yeah, yeah, and so the immediate. Health benefits and, and the long-term benefits could include?
4: Oh, yes, and of course, you know, uh, increase and improvement in circulation. Right. Uh, reduction in inflammation. Right. So a big a big one of the big markers for disease as we know is inflammation, right? Yeah, with and, so much shitty food in our diet. No shitty food and you know, people become arthritic way too early and uh, so so all these type of things like the, the, the cold immersion really helps reduce a lot of that inflammation and with less inflammation also means less disease, right? Yeah. And I'm I'm a guy who pushes myself physically all the time. I I work out twice a day. I do yoga at night, and I practice my stick fighting at night. I'm boxing. I'm lifting weights. I'm 52 years old, so that that takes a toll on the body. And so, this ice bathing, uh, ice training, helps me recover faster and keeps me in the game longer, and keeps me kicking ass.
5: Now, if someone wants to explore, you know, the benefits of ice bathing, mm-hmm. you know, do you suggest they follow a particular guide? to do this whether it's a human mentor or a tutorial uh you know youtube yeah. YouTube university of some sort
4: sure yeah i mean it's it's good to depend on, on on how far you want to go with it i mean a lot of people uh you know i, I get lots of messages and dms about this all the time i, I do have a, a, an amazing tutorial video on my youtube channel um, which covers a step by step incremental progression that will prepare you for developing your own successful sort of ice training practice, um, and and I find that one to be sort of the most comprehensive of all the ones that I've seen on YouTube. Um, so I do recommend you know following that because or, or something of that nature, because a lot of people think that if they take cold showers, they'll be ready to go for into ice water. Right not the case right a, a cold showers will not prepare you for that extreme amount of cold <laughs> it's not like
5: one toe in the water let's start with cold showers
4: it's it's a start and then we it, can progress to ice baths it's a starting point i get it but it's going to give you a, a false sense of security right because your 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 shower water will not get as cold as uh, a, you know, a natural. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a nature guy, right? So I'm yeah. not doing this in bathtubs. I'm not doing it in barrels and troughs and that kind of stuff. I'm going right out into the ponds, chopping through the ice and and getting in there. Um, so cold showers will never prepare you for that level of of extreme cold. Absolutely
5: wild. Uh, I'd be afraid to try it myself. Huh.
4: Uh, you could do it, man. You can do it. <laughs> I believe in you, Dave. You so, can. Anybody can do this.
5: And I appreciate but that. But you have to want it. Yeah, that's true. You've got to want it. Now, when I want to relax and decompress, I go in my hot tub for 20 minutes, 25 minutes. You know, might have a beer, glass of whiskey. Beautiful. You know.
4: Yep. Maybe a toke. Sure, why not? You know, not? and
5: decompress that way.
4: Yeah, great. Right? Yeah, fantastic. So what,
5: what's your opinion on, on heat, Yeah. which is at the other end of the spectrum, versus the cold? I mean, yeah. what's your opinion on people choosing the hot tub option of course it's giving different results
4: well absolutely i mean uh, and, and and there are there's lots of research research that suggests that that heat is also a really important part of the picture right um you know really when it comes down to it i mean a lot of these when you're you're, you're dealing with sort of extreme things like heat or cold really uh, on a sort of a fundamental level what you're doing is you are conditioning your body to deal with stress right Right? and so your body doesn't really differentiate between stressors whether it's heat or whether it's cold or whether it's financial or whether it's relationships stress is stress and ultimately it's how you are able to navigate that stress gain control of that stress adapt to that stress that it's going to give you the benefits of these things so uh heat is absolutely amazing for us right we know that um i like to balance hot and cold so i sort of the yin and the yang the yin and the yang right i do the um i do the cold exposure one day and then the next day i'll do like hot soaks in the bath really hot and with lots of epsom salts and stuff like that and the next day I'm, i'm back in the ice water and i sort of alternate day sort of day on like day hot day cold um some people try and do it within the same session um uh I don't I kind of alternate but I think whether you're doing cold or whether you're doing hot or whether you're doing a combination of both I think all that is going to be good for you
5: it's wild man absolutely wild Mm. the cold and the hot therapy oh yeah love it oh
4: yeah me too
5: you know and of course uh you know you do other things for your health as well um are there any actual supplements i mean i know you take the good teas and you eat really healthy we're going to talk about the food you cook uh, a little bit later in today's podcast are there any actual supplements that come out of a jar that you take uh, as far as uh you know the omega three six nine little little gel caps that that i take and many people take like do you bother with oh yeah shit like that oh as yeah well?
4: absolutely i do man i i've uh it's a that's a very sort of typical part of my my regimen so uh, yeah, I mean, I take, uh, take a variety of, of vitamins and, and, and supplements, you know, like the standard things, you know, uh, vitamin E, vitamin C, vitamin D, uh, fish oil. I mean, you have a take, long I, history
5: of education in in health, and I mean, you even worked in a health food store once upon a time, like I decades did. ago.
4: I did indeed. Yeah, I'm very familiar with all that all those sort of natural, healthful, supplemental products for sure. I've, I've I'm highly educated in that stuff, so I take a I take a I take sort of my cornerstone stuff. But I've recently also started incorporating, like I said, when I'm making my teas coming out of the, the ice, but I'm, I'm putting a lot of turmeric in there and ashwagandha, black pepper uh, in with a, you know, a green tea, black tea, ginger tea base. So that's like a, you know a, 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 an elixir that basically just like supercharges you when you come out of that ice cold water. But i am also recently discovered this amazing supplement called Shilajit which is sheila
5: g like a chick's name sheila
4: yeah like sheila e but but sheila 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 g G. tell us about sheila g so sheila g is a it's a product that comes from the himalayan mountains and it is a um basically it is a sort of fossilized earth that's it's this it's this humus layer that's been trapped between layers of rocks and in the warm months it, it kind of oozes out of the cracks in the mountains and they they harvest it and it is uh it's sort of like uh it's like a it's almost like a tar type consistency and you you uh, dilute it or you sort of dissolve it in warm water Right. and you can ingest it. And what this does is it has all sort of the old minerals and uh, nutrients that's been lost in our modern-day soil because of such like such crazy agricultural practices where we've lost a lot of the nutrients. This sort of brings all that stuff back, and it's very uh, earthy-type tasting. It's just a little something. I do a little shot of that every morning.
5: Wow. Yeah. How oh, long you been doing this for?
4: I've been doing the G for probably about, I don't know, six months now. And I love it, man.
5: Now, what does it do to your
4: stool? Uh, nothing. I mean, it's all, it's all <laughs> nothing Nothing special. It's, it doesn't do anything radical. It's just, you know, okay. normal. But, but, I mean, it's... Uh, you can feel a difference? Oh, yeah. It's a real energizer. It's amazing for, for vitality and health and these type of things. And just kind of getting us back into... This is going a step beyond your typical green tea. Absolutely. It's way beyond that. But it's, it's very interesting. Uh, you, can, you can look it up. It's, it's very cool stuff.
5: That's crazy, yeah. Huh? I definitely want to get some of that, so uh, remind me about that. I will. Uh, you know, I, I need all the help I can get, oh, you'll,
4: right? Oh, yeah, you'll love it.
5: Re-energize and yeah. rejuvenize Oh, myself. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, Jason, you're also a musician, and uh, tell us about that.
4: Sure. I mean, I've, I've been, in, I've been in, uh, involved in music my whole life Yeah. since I was a kid. And uh, my, my sort of progression was that, uh, you know, in my early 20s, um, I kind of got into drumming. So I, I, I went to uh, Ghana, West Africa, to study for a year uh, traditional drumming there, uh, which is one of, sort of the more sort of, uh, we'll call it, uh, complex or dynamic sort of traditional drumming systems in Africa, uh, therefore of the world and so i went there and i and i and i was trained on, on all the tra- traditional drumming and then i went to cuba for years uh, training with with conga players I, i'm prim- I primarily specialize in congas i love the um, sound of the conga yeah absolutely and it's a it's a great instrument um, uh, i'm very much into sort of like the afro cuban style um, and so i trained in cuba for years um, playing and then I, I you know i would and then i started i was playing in bands uh, originally in guelph uh, we had a band called house of velvet which was kind of a world music kind of reg- name. reggae vibe
2: yeah
4: we did really well we we were a band together for a long time and uh, then that kind of fizzled out after a decade or so and then i started playing with a group called echo deck and echo deck is a band i've been with now for about 20 years uh, we have been nominated for two Junos and for World Music Album of the Year. Nice, uh,
5: congratulations!
4: Thank you. We didn't win the, either of those Juno nominations, but we were. But we we're. It was, it was great to be get that accolade, even just from the from our our our, our peer community. Um, we played on the Juno broadcast at uh, in Vancouver in two thousand and nine, and we played alongside. We did a. We did a. Um, uh, combo gig with great big c and hoxley workman um so we played we, we we actually closed out the tv broadcast of the junos playing at the bell center in vancouver which was an amazing experience we were introduced by russell peters actually oh very cool yeah, i yeah. love russell funny yeah, guy yeah russell and i became friends over at that time um and so and then we played we did the, the junos was in hamilton a few years ago as well yep, so we yep. went that. we went down to that one as well that was our second nomination we just released our seventh or eighth album, um, called uh, Recalibrate, uh, just in June this this, pre- this last June, which is a killer album. It's been, um, I think, it's my favorite of the of the lot. We've been on all the world music charts all over the world in the you know top five ten. We yeah. I think we came top uh, number eighteen on the Canada's best albums of twenty twenty two.
5: You know, what I love about you is that you're so diversified mm. and that you really have a passion for life and everything you're doing. Yeah. Did you take music lessons as a kid? Oh,
4: yeah. Oh, yeah. I did the, the, the typical, yep. you know, piano. You know, studied piano my whole life my, as a kid, doing piano lessons and getting that musical education. I did music in high school, played saxophone and stuff like that in high school. And then, and then neither of those was really my calling, but drumming was. And so typically as you all know about me dave when i decide i'm going to get into something yeah i go for it man you
5: go for it big time i I
4: go for it big time i'm going to max it out i'm going to go as deep and as far as i can
5: yeah and that's your passion your passion for life and passion for everything that you do Mm -hmm. and now what about the siblings you've got a couple of
4: siblings I have one. I have uh, older brother. Older brother. Now yeah. is he into music? Oh, well? is he ever? He is. Uh, I, I'm going to call him a musical genius. He's. He, he. You know. He puts me to shame. Like he is. Uh, he. He's a multi instrumentalist. He. He just recorded an amazing uh, reggae song uh, for in support of. Canada's World Cup team that went to the play at the World Cup wow. uh, tournament. Holy shit. Yeah, he did. A, he wrote a whole song as uh, support of them, and which is on YouTube. It's called Pressure. Amazing amazing reggae tune. Um, and but yeah, he's a very accomplished musician. I I really uh, admire his skills, abilities.
5: Yeah. yeah. Now, uh, you you once told me a story that your father and you know, I'm going to bring this up again. Your father married your brother, like, and I don't mean he married your brother, but he <laughs> <laughs> married him
4: off. Y- yes, he w- he was the officiant. The officiant. Yeah, he was. which
5: I thought was wild.
4: Yeah, yeah. Why
5: not have the head of the family?
4: Yeah, yes. <laughs> your the, father, yeah. your father
5: married your brother. Yeah, yeah. Well, that sounds weird. <laughs> different was, strokes for it's, different it's,
4: folks. Sure. Yeah. When you say he married him off, well, yes, he was the officiant at yeah. the wedding, right? So when you might, told
5: me that, that stuck, and I thought, yeah. is that ever beautiful?
4: Well, for sure. The yeah. head
5: of the family, you know. Yeah. is the officiant for the ceremony.
4: Absolutely. I yeah. thought
5: that was really special. Yeah, I, I
4: think I think that's amazing too. And yeah. I and uh you know, I'd, I'd forgotten about that till you till you reminded I me. I remember I've, all
5: the stories you've told. I, <laughs> yeah.
4: Um well yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so I think it's I think it's great. I mean it's it's it gets it got him involved and of course I mean that happens in a lot of traditional societies, right? Uh You know, the the head of the family, the patriarch, the top dog is going to, you know, call the shots, right? So, uh, anyway, I thought that was pretty cool, too.
5: Yeah, very, very cool. Um, You're a martial artist. You're a sixth-degree black belt. Sixth-degree black belt. Holy shit, you've been doing this for a while.
4: I have, yeah. When did
5: your interest in martial arts
4: begin? Uh, Probably when I was about seven years old. Yeah. Yeah, so I I got into martial arts early. You know, I started with things like judo, uh, kung fu, that kind of thing. Yeah. And then as I, as I uh, got into it more and more, I, I kind of, uh, when I was 19, I got introduced to Thai boxing when I went on my first trip to Thailand. And I went back to Thailand a couple of times. Uh, one of those times I went back and I, I did a full seven-month professional training camp there at a, at a traditional Muay Thai uh, fight camp.
5: How intense.
4: Uh, <laughs> incredibly intense. We were, we were, we were training seven hours a day six,
5: seven months you were there
4: yeah seven hours a day six days a week so we split up you do four hours in the morning you come back at night you do another three hours so a total of seven hours a day for you know and and so um yeah i got really got into muay thai in my in my through my 20s and then i felt very confident with my you know my ability to you know stand up striking uh fighting skills. And then uh, I was traveling in Central America, and I saw some guys fighting with machetes, you know, drunk drunken fight outside of a bar with guys with... with Real fight, like yeah. street fighting oh, with machetes. Oh, yeah.
5: Crazy that, shit.
4: And I realized <laughs> that, hey, no matter how good I could punch, kick, knee, throw elbows, block stuff, whatever, if someone comes at me with a bladed weapon, what am I going to do? Yeah. So I realized okay I got to really expand my skill set as a martial artist so through my research and and my understanding of in an, of world martial arts uh, I knew that the Filipinos had the best weapons fighting system on planet earth the most functional uh you know the most diverse practical yeah, practical you know, for every you know yeah so I went to the Philippines and I started I started going to the Philippines to train and I trained down there for years and years and years um, and, you know, started training. You couldn't
5: get that here. You couldn't get that here in North America.
4: You could, you could but I, I like to, again, I like to, if I'm going to go for to the them, origin, the I, core I, origin. I like, I like to go to the source and learn from the best. Yeah. Right? And so that's that's my style. I, so I went to the Philippines, and I started learning and training with, uh, you know, I ended up, my, my six-degree black belt, I, I, I got, in 2019, I was promoted to the rank of master, in, in uh, Cebu City, Philippines, and there's a style there called Kakoy Kenyete Dosipares, just the oldest club in the Philippines, and the originator and the the, the top dog there, Kakoy Kenyete, is a legend in the Philippines, um, a, a legendary uh, you know uh, sort of freedom fighter from when the Japanese took over the Philippines and occupied the Philippines, and he's sort of he was the only undefeated grandmaster uh of his era and so i started training at his club and that's where i've been sort of been my home base there ever since
5: yeah and you go back frequently
4: i do and yeah. uh, i hope to go back in um the summer in end of july beginning of august there is a four-day international stick fighting tournament tournament yeah and i hope to, I, I, i'm planning on going there and and uh very exciting and going for it
5: I've seen your uh, some of your YouTube videos of the stick fighting. Yeah. And that just blows my mind. I mean, mm. that's action-packed. Oh, yeah. You know, that keeps my attention.
4: Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's fast-paced, right? It's very fast-paced, and so. you fight
5: with staff, and then you fight with sticks. Right? Just,
4: just sticks. Two sticks. Yeah, well, well, I, I prefer just single stick, like stingles That's kind of how we do. It. We do like full when we're even when so we're training. So it's not a staff. No, it's a, it's it's, a a, diff- it's a, like a twenty-six to twenty-eight-inch rattan stick, um, and you know, it's uh, like a, there's there's different uh, uh, components to to what we call a scream or arnis or kali. It's single stick. It's double stick. It's knife and stick. It's two knives. It's empty hands against sticks and knives. All that type of stuff. It's submissions, takedowns, throws, uh, standing submissions, all kinds of tricky in close fighting stuff, dirty boxing, all kinds of stuff. But really, when I go there, when I will go there to compete, it'll be sort of a single stick. I'll probably, uh, I'll probably be in the double, the two stick fighting thing as well. But I like single stick that's my sweet spot
5: and when you're down there you get to enjoy the food
4: yeah the culture yeah for sure
5: you know and then you do stuff with the dogs yeah it's just the spin-offs out of everything you do
4: well that's right and and when i'm when i'm you know in most places that i travel to internationally i usually combine doing dog training seminars and workshops along with why i'm in that country to begin with sometimes that's why i'm there but yeah i tend to just combine stuff so through all my trips to the philippines i sort of got tapped into the dog community there and uh, things started happening for me i started you know working with different rescue organizations uh, I, I started doing like private lessons, I started doing workshops and seminars for different clubs and groups and uh, that type of thing. And so I, I love doing that. I've done that in the Philippines, I've done that in, in India. So I, I really love that type of stuff too.
5: Yeah. Now when you're, when you're in the Philippines, what about the ice bath?
4: no such thing no such thing there yeah i mean you can't he, do
5: it unless you put yourself in a barrel or a trough with yeah, ice cubes
4: yeah for sure so yeah. you take
5: a bit of a break
4: yeah and yeah. you're
5: doing other exciting yeah, things yeah for sure and you come back to that when you return
4: correct yeah yeah i was
5: wondering about that yeah well it's it, it good <laughs> did cross my mind It
4: does. Uh, it gets really hot there and I, i'm not doing any ice bathing there i'm just basically sweating it out like everybody else
5: yeah yeah, yeah. and you're in the jungles
4: oh yeah Oh you, yeah, you love I'm, the jungle. Oh, I love it, man. You're made for the jungle. Absolutely, yes, <laughs> absolutely. I love, I love being out in nature. I'm, a, I'm a nature guy. I like, uh, I'm, uh, in Now, the, what about nudism? Yeah. You're, oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, you don't yeah. care? I don't Start care. Dark naked, well, you know, like, buck naked through the. Well, I'm not going to be like not like downtown, not the street, in not, the Niagara Falls. No, get no, arrested yeah, for sure. But when I'm when I'm out in the in the woods, yeah, I mean, like you know. I'm out there with my girlfriend most of the time or, or by myself. Yeah, you know, it like, depends on the weather.
5: Make love outdoors. Oh, yeah.
4: Oh, yeah. All that, all that good stuff. It's just outdoor living, man. Beautiful. Yeah. Where
5: else have you traveled? I know you are a world traveler.
4: Yeah, uh, man. I've been all over. Dude. Yeah. Like,
5: your your interest really lies in the, in the Philippines and. Well,
4: I mean, I, I've been uh, I've been to South America. I've been to Central America, uh, throughout the Caribbean, uh, all over the states and Canada. I've been all over Europe. I, I lived in uh, England as a as a youth and traveled to Ireland and Wales and Scotland and France and Italy and were the I'll, parents
5: the parents had a thirst for travel as absolutely
4: well? yeah my 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 parents were big time travelers and so they exposed me to travel at an early age so i've been all over europe been all over southeast asia multiple times um you know scandinavia so yeah I, I, i've been to lots and lots of places india sri lanka
5: you mentioned that your brother's an accomplished uh musician does he share any of your other interests? Yes, indeed. I believe you got him involved in the dog training to some degree.
4: Well, yeah, I mean, I had he he's he's trained his dog with his me. own
5: personal dog. With yeah, me. yeah, yeah.
4: Um, but he love he loves to travel. He loves that international vibe yeah. because we were raised very much the same way and exposed to all that stuff. Um, and he's also a real food guy i right. yeah. love the international cuisine you know he, we, we share all a lot a lot of similarities a
5: very diversified palate
4: oh yes uh, yes and
5: you know i'm a foodie
4: i know and yes. i love
5: what you post uh-huh. i love what you post all your food pics you spend weeks at a time in the backwoods like weeks at a time and you yeah. cook yeah in the backwoods as yes. well yes
4: oh yeah i love to cook when i'm out in the out in the back country. Um, so, yeah I mean I do uh, I do a lot of like sort of wilderness adventure lots of canoe trips lots of hiking trips um, um, and and when I'm back when I'm out there I, I, I do a lot of you know I go out with you know for at least a couple of weeks a year just with my girlfriend we, we canoe out portage out in some backcountry lakes and, and this
5: isn't a guided tour oh no no this is you freewheeling free spirit oh
4: yeah Jason shoot oh yeah absolutely pedal to the metal freestyle yeah and uh, pedal, pedal to the metal, for sure. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I do all the cooking, right? And so I have, every every, every night we have something amazing. And uh, and then what happened was my girlfriend started just filming uh, me doing the cooking. And we said, hey, let's just have some fun. And so I started doing these little cooking kind of shows yeah. and editing them down. And I've so seen that,
5: a couple. I love it, by the way. I, yeah.
4: Thank you. And and so I've, I've now sort of developed this, what I call, back backwoods cooking uh sort of episodes and then yeah. i have those on my youtube channel i have more i'm gonna upload that i haven't posted and i'll definitely be creating more content in that same uh lines as as i as i get back out into the woods in the summer spring and summer yeah
5: and what are what are some of your your favorite foods to cook or what have you What's your pat? What are you passionate about as far as cooking? I mean, I know it's a huge spectrum, but if you could narrow down,
4: sure, yeah, know, I mean, I, I give me an idea of some sure, of this stuff. Sure, I love it all. I'm a, I'm a big, uh, I'm a big fan of Sri Lankan food, right? I would say Sri Lankan food. I have
5: never had Sri Lankan food, yeah, but so, I want to.
4: Oh, from from Sri Lanka has the has some of the most amazing food, Dave. You've ever tried, man.
5: Oh, it's God, it's spicy,
4: man. but it, it is it is for me the most exciting food to eat
5: well you know what you and I are doing after the podcast we're going for pizza
4: okay <laughs> it won't yeah. it's not going to compare uh, no but I, who, who doesn't love pizza yeah, right? yeah. but so uh, the
5: Sri Lankan food
4: oh man. I mean how
5: often do people hear about that
4: I know I you mean you know because, in Ontario for I, example yeah there, there, are, there are few places to get really good authentic Sri-, yeah. Sri Lankan food but I know a couple of spots I uh, when I was in Sri Lanka I, I I learned how to cook a number of things as well so I, I, I cook at some Sri Lankan uh mostly like goat curries that type of thing but um love
5: my curries love that oh yeah so you do a rice and a curry curry
4: yeah yeah. pork curry Uh, chicken uh goat goat yeah yeah yeah, that's my go-to sometimes chicken but goat is my number one um but but Sri Lankan is is great. But but there's also so many other things. You know, I do a lot of uh, a lot of Thai type stuff as well. I remember, you, know? you love Thai. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thai food is really Deb and I love too. our
5: Thai food. Yeah,
4: it's it's such an amazing sort of combination of of flavors, right? That it's hard to go wrong.
5: Any sort of exotic meats that you've
4: uh, had tasted? Yeah, I've tasted a few interesting things, but nothing that I would like. Alligator. Yeah, sure. Alligator, crocodile, iguana, yeah. snake—you uh, know, stuff like that. Um, I mean, all the standard stuff, but but and, you know, and, and, and you know, insects, whatever you know, like stuff they eat in other countries, as as kind of a normal yeah you know
5: you, you talk like oh that's nothing that's just pussy stuff that's boring shit right
4: <laughs> well you know you you, you 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 eat what you're given right and, Certainly. And, and so I'm not I would never if someone gives me a plate of snake or or you know insects be like oh my god I can't eat this stuff no, no that would be, be rude and disrespectful yeah, and you'll so. eat
5: whatever that culture is absolutely. eating absolutely when
4: you're traveling
5: 100% yeah. now you'll cook on open fire cowboy style oh yeah,
4: oh, yeah. love the open fire cooking in fact I've I've only cooked on open fires my whole like sort of backcountry life. Uh you know, I, I only have done open fire until about three years ago I started using a Coleman propane stove. It's handy. Oh my god, it changed my whole life, man. Yeah. It's so much easier.
5: Yeah. Click and go.
4: Click and go, bam, you're cooking. Cooking little
5: propane tanks.
4: Cooking with gas. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
5: Especially when you're out there in the woods. Oh
4: yeah, for sure
5: very cool and so your your sweetie your girlfriend she cooks as well
4: yeah she's a she's an amazing cook yeah absolutely uh, at home I, I mean I love going to her house for dinner when you know, I get invited over for dinner I'm there yeah and uh, so really yeah she's an amazing cook uh, but when we're out camping I, I tend to do all the cooking
5: What nationality is your girlfriend Filipino Filipino yeah, yeah.
4: born in the Philippines raised in Canada yeah yeah, yeah. We, we met here in Canada.
5: You share the love of, uh, of uh, so many things together.
4: Indeed, really. yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely.
5: Yeah. So uh, do you want to share a quick recipe with us? Uh, something that you've cooked or something that is a regular go-to that maybe we could hear and go, yeah, sure, we'll try that.
4: Um, yeah, I mean, I, well, gee, I'd have to think of something. Are you a yeah. beef eater? I yeah. mean, I know you like the goat. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I like I like beef too. Have you got maybe. a
5: quick and easy sort of
4: something that, well, that you go
5: to? Um, you make a curry, curry beef. Do you do yeah,
4: yeah. something with hamburger and rice? Oh sure, yeah. I mean, well, one thing that I love to do here. So here's a here's a quickie. This is one. This one I Because I was
5: regretting asking yeah. that question for a second or yeah, two when no, you were no. when you were stuttering and stammering yeah, on that one. I'm just you know I'm just <laughs> I'm just
4: going through my roll decks yeah, yeah. Of, of recipes. I see that. Man. I see the, like, the, the eyes are going. Yeah, it's like where where to start. But but going. here's a simple. Uh, you know, bang for your buck amazing dish right okay. anybody can make this. I do this camping sometimes. It's one of my go-to's in the back country because it's simple. okay you just fry up some onions, some garlic, brown up some brown beef some ground beef right get that going almost like you're making a, a spaghetti sauce base or a chili base right you throw in some cabbage. Okay. Okay. So it's just like ground beef, onions, garlic. Ground beef, garlic,
5: onions, garlic.
4: And, and nicely sliced, like finely sliced like Napa or type of cabbage. I like the
5: Napa cabbage because it seems to cook so quickly. Right? Absolutely. When you want to do a quick dish. A
4: hundred percent. It cooks super quick.
5: Right. You just kind of shave that and it's uh, going in with the beef.
4: Absolutely. And then bulgogi. You know, you get that Korean bulgogi uh, marinade or, mar- or bulgogi sauce. Right. Right. Which is like this amazing Korean uh, flavoring for, for beef and stuff like that. Typically. I've got to make
5: this. I've got to make
4: this. And you just put in some, you just drizzle in or pour in some of this bulgogi sauce you can get it at any Asian market. Bam, mix that up. Done. Boom. Plate, eat. And it's going to blow your mind. Simple, <laughs> beautiful, nutritious, delicious.
5: Perfectly put. Yeah. Perfectly said. What's your view on, on the Mary Jane wanna What's your view on that? Let's talk about uh, weed and uh, your view on the CBD. And yeah. So many people, as you know, are using it for oh, yeah. their dogs and using it for themselves. Yeah. I was curious to uh, find out whether you thought it was, uh, you know, overrated or no, if I'm you a- thought it was. I mean, I, I, I do believe that you're in favor of the pot.
4: Yeah, I'm a fan. Yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, you you know, toke yourself? Yeah, I do. Um, you know, sparingly. I'm a lightweight right yeah. so you know a little hit here hit there i'm i'm i generally pretty good indica? with
5: that indica indica to decompress
4: uh yeah i i like the sativas generally uh indicas a great is is, is nighttime indicas generally better yeah. right? or by the
5: campfire
4: oh yeah i mean or a blend you know so it just depends on the on the, the time of day or i mean i'm i'm only really do it in the evening anyway when i when i'm, when I'm going to do it yeah uh, unless i'm out in the woods or something like that you know the daytime is fine but uh yeah i'm a i'm a supporter uh you know i i you know i I like to consume it i like to grow it um i like the whole process of it um so yeah i'm a fan uh support it definitely uh i find that it it does uh you know in in moderation and with the appropriate application it can also be part of it's part of my sort of general sort of into he- health regimen i would say right uh i do some cbd as well uh that i feel that it helps for some of the aches and pains now i have a cbd been, oil yeah the cbd oil Yep. now i should i should say that since i've been doing really a lot of consistent ice bathing i've been using way less cbd
5: okay because the cbd is great for the inflammation correct to correct informa- inflammation with yeah. dogs and humans yeah but you've already mentioned the ice baths, yeah, that brings down the inflammation.
4: Absolutely, but I like the CBD, um, and I will use it sometimes. You know, it helps with sleep sometimes, or whatever it is. Uh, I, I I do use it with dogs a little bit, but I'm I'm still trying to figure that out a little bit. You know, to be honest, um, I mean ha- the, the
5: University U- of Guelph, the Ontario Veterinary College, as you know, mm. still hasn't reached the point where they're going to start saying to the veterinarians okay, you can write scripts for your patients, and those dogs can have the CBD. I mean...
4: I think a lot of vets are still hesitant to prescribe that.
5: A lot of vets in the States are recommending it. I mean, there's a lot of Canadian vets that do recommend it, but I don't believe they're at the point where they can actually write a script for it
4: yet. Yeah, for sure. And then it's about finding the right actual... The right dosage. Yeah. And, you know, also... You know, finding that the 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 because a lot of the CBD oil also has like a small percentage of THC. Right? Yes, especially in the human. Now, is that reaction?
5: required in order for it to activate the the benefit of? Uh...
4: This is what I hear, and this is what I read, but um, and certainly in the human uh, for, version it is a combination usually it's like you know whatever you know mostly cbd but with like a 0.5 or 0.05 or a point low, low, super low but even that i think that low thc can be toxic for dogs right yeah yeah and so i uh it's about finding the right sort of combination of just cbd that's going to be effective enough without the thc to help a dog and and so i think i'm, I'm still kind of experimenting with some of that uh, i'd love to hear your opinion on that yeah actually.
5: there's clients of mine that are using cbd uh on their dogs and some of them are following the advice of their holistic veterinarian and they're telling me they're getting great results with it and the dog's mobility has improved and so i've never tried the cbd On any uh, dogs personally Mm -hmm. But I have a lot of clients that have Tried Mm -hmm. it on their dogs Mm -hmm. and they're telling me That they're noticing great benefit uh, As well as Other sorts of therapy That they're doing with their dogs And I've tried the CBD uh, On myself and I find It's worked well for headaches It's worked well for helping me Sleep or if my knees are sore So
4: yeah Good, good
5: Yeah, Uh, I wanted to touch on dog training yeah, I mean, you and I met because once upon a time, uh, how many years ago was it that you came to me to take our master dog trainer course at the dave mcmahon dog school in niagara falls yeah well, I quite a few
4: years ago well, i would have graduated 15 years ago 15 years it's yeah. been already yeah, yeah I've, been a, I've been in business for 15 years
5: yeah a long yeah. time yeah and congratulations for winning the reader's choice awards in your area for uh being voted best dog training school in guelph
4: thank you very multiple
5: much. years in a row good yeah. for you
4: thank you so much Dave. i appreciate that uh, i mean I've, i think i've won that the last six years in a row plus the you know this new community votes award that's yeah. out now. They've only come out for a couple yes, years. Yes, I've heard of that. Yeah, I've won that one the last couple years as well since they they started it. Um, so I appreciate it. But but you also are are a consistent winner of that award in the Niagara region.
5: Yeah, we've won uh, quite a few awards over the years. Of course, we thank, yeah. we thank everyone that's voted for us. Yeah,
4: yeah. Likewise.
5: After you apprenticed with me, uh, your thirst for knowledge in everything that you do. Always continues. Yes, um, you have went on to learn from other dog training masters uh, around the globe. Yes, uh, you care to mention uh, yeah, some of those? sure. Yeah, trainers?
4: absolutely. Yeah, I, I've uh, trained extensively with Michael Ellis mm-hmm. at, uh, in Santa Rosa, California. Uh, the michael ellis school for dog trainers um i think I've, I've done about five of his programs down there over the years
5: yeah he's very renowned at what he does
4: of course yeah michael's a, an amazing trainer um really nice great guy too um and so i, I really loved that as well and then i and then i went to also to train go on to train with ivan balabanov in uh, at, at his place in in florida
5: renowned and uh, competitor with the dogs oh yeah
4: absolutely like his resume is amazing you know he's one of the goats so um i went and trained with him and and you know for years i've never really taught uh schools or programs or anything like that he was kind of a ghost in some ways right
5: yeah he uh, would just
4: compete with his own dogs yeah Take take all the hardware. Yeah. Get the
5: trophies. Yeah. Get his titles. Yes. Peace out later. Later. And he wasn't training people. Yeah. To become trainers. Correct. or Coaching so many people, but he had an amazing and still does an amazing uh, career with Absolutely. amazing scores
4: on dogs that he competes with. Oh yeah, he's still he's still kicking ass, you know. But
5: he's a little bit more in the spotlight now.
4: He is. Well, he's also got more. he's got a social media presence now too, right? Which is fairly new, and so. Uh, Ivan uh, opened up a course, uh, his very first certification course uh, to to become certified in his, you know, training without conflict, sort of play based approach, right? And uh, I was the one and only, first and only Canadian who actually went to do that course live with Ivan, and and ultimately, you know, was the first Canadian to be certified by Ivan, and so. Uh I, I, I love that approach. I, I use it a lot in my training. My approach to, to training has been really influenced a lot through this uh, uh, using play as a motivator. Uh, even if I'm using food, I'm using food in a much more playful, dynamic way. Which increases the dog's uh, increases the value of that food for the dog as well. Yeah, so and really
5: stimulating the dog mentally. Oh yeah, absolutely. In, in ways that that people normally haven't thought
4: of. Correct, and really tapping into dogs' sort of genetic drives and 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 tapping into their their sort of, sort of their instinctive ways to do things anyway. Because then then you don't have to teach them that they already know that. It's just about how you kind of draw that out of them.
5: Yeah. now when you trained with me. 15 years ago You came with a beautiful dog named
4: Jed Yes And Jed lived to behold Jed uh, was about 10 years old He died of cancer Yeah Yeah.
5: Which is is very common in Ontario for Uh, dogs Cancer mm. seems to be higher here Than it is, let's say, out west Oh, interesting You don't don't hear as much of the Uh cancer Dogs dying from cancer out west as you do in ontario interesting uh but jed Jed passed away he was a beautiful dog by the way you did an amazing job so talk about the dog you have now
4: the dog i have now is a cattle dog uh his name is pacho he just turned five and oh man he's a good dog he is a great dog he and i are just so bonded we are so tight um yeah i mean I, i have a relationship with this dog that i've never really had with another dog Like, we are, you know, we we are just so connected. So a lot of people, they they walk their dogs and and some of them go to
5: the point of, you know, bringing out a, excuse me, a chucket stick. They play fetch with their dogs. They walk their dog. Mm -hmm. I mean, you go above and beyond with the activities and we'll call it field trips. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And the engagement. Uh Uh-huh. Of what you do with your dog. So I know you play fetch with your dog. I know you walk your dog. Yeah. I know you go hiking with your dog. Uh, can you elaborate as to some other things that you do with your dog? Uh, yeah. not, not not, to take the thunder out of it for you, but I, I believe you, you go kayaking or canoeing with the dog as well. And you've taught him to, to be stable and, and uh, to enjoy the canoeing aspect with you.
4: Absolutely. I, I take him canoeing with me on all my all my big canoe trips that i i do he comes with me yeah and so i i did spend a lot of time training him uh about being or habituating him to being in the canoe so that he could be stable and we could canoe safely um, i even did a, I have a video on it on my youtube channel a tutorial about how you can prepare your dog for canoe trips uh it's just one of these things that i feel that you you have to spend some time at the front end you know, conditioning and habituating the dog so that when you actually do it, it's going to be successful, and, and for the humans and for the dog. Um, so yeah, he comes with me back country, and then you know we hit the the backwoods. You know, he gets to be a dog. He can live it up. You know, there's no collars. There's no leashes. There's just, uh, yeah. you know, being around. He, he's, he's an amazing dog to have in camp in the woods. He He's scared bears, bears who have wandered into my camp. He's chased them out multiple times. So he's an, he's, he's an amazing bear. <laughs> Maybe he bear was a dog. Belgian
5: melon one in <laughs> his past life.
4: Yeah. You know. Well, he just recognizes that, hey, big predator, time to... Get that thing out of out of Dodge. You High know? prey drive. Yeah. So he, but but he just chases them out. They take off, and then he comes back, bounding, cruising back into camp, very proud of himself. And so we we always reinforce that
5: very cool yeah very very, very cool yeah. um what else do you do with him as far as engagement training or yeah. anything you want to
4: reveal in that way sure yeah i mean I, I i i don't do anything like super i mean well for me it's all pretty normal stuff i guess yeah. uh but yeah we do all our stuff but we play a lot
5: you do a little bit of tug work oh yeah
4: a little we, bit of tug work oh yeah with the tug toy oh he loves tug so we do we do a lot of play a lot of possession games uh competition type games and we how had, about
5: scent work you do any scent games for fun or not you know yet?
4: i i actually have never taught him any of the scent stuff i you know jed was an amazing scent dog yes. right but I, I for some reason i don't know why i guess maybe just because there's always a million things to do i just have never really taught him any scent training between
5: but, ice baths yeah. between cooking <laughs> spending yeah. time with the girly friend yeah yeah i mean i guess <laughs> it's only so many hours in a day i guess sleeping. So.
4: I guess so, right, but man i should I should probably i should probably start teaching of some of that, I don't know why I haven't, but we do a lot of play play is a big part of, of what we do together but of course we do lots of hiking lots of standard training um but but we combine I, I combine my training with play yeah so when i'm playing i'm training yeah and when i'm training i'm playing
5: yeah i'd love to have you out to the dog academy to do a, an engagement play
4: seminar yeah i'd love to with
5: our intermediate and off leash advanced students so that's something we should certainly try and nail down
4: yeah i would love to sometime
5: this year if you have any room in your schedule i will make room would love to to have you do that Uh, and it's nice for me to take a break from the microphone at my school and let somebody else speak Mm. and people enjoy that
4: sure yeah I would would be happy to do that I'm going to
5: guess that you feed your dog raw
4: no you don't. I, See, I now don't. I would have
5: thought. Oh, this dude. Yeah. Guaranteed, this dude's giving his dog <laughs> chicken necks, yeah. raw goat. Yeah. <laughs> well, up on the raw well goat, he does.
4: He does get some raw. Like so. I, so I, he he gets yeah. some
5: raw supplements.
4: Absolutely right. Yeah. I mean, he get he he, he lives for raw frozen chicken feet. Okay, that is his jam. A lot
5: of people put the the chicken feet in soup that they make. A lot of uh, uh-huh. uh, people I know from Jamaica do that.
4: Sure, yeah, and I mean, from the islands. Absolutely right. Yeah, to make and the it,
5: broth, right? Absolutely. It's so a, you give him the raw chicken feet. Yeah,
4: raw chicken feet. I get them at the Asian market. I keep them in the freezer, and and usually his evening thing is that's what he that's what he gets toenails and all. Oh yeah,
5: he gets the roughage man Oh
4: yeah, he loves it. So he does get like that raw, you know, that raw. Uh, you know sort of supplement i guess good for you could his call skin and it. coat it's great great for him so
5: you're feeding a kibble as your primary
4: absolutely what so.
5: brand do you go with
4: do you have uh, a brand that you yeah like? you know what i get i use the the stuff i get at costco to be honest
5: okay so the kirkland brand yeah i, I know a lot of people yeah that feed the kirkland brand dog food yeah. and they are wicked happy with the results me as well a friend of mine yeah. jerry jaguar who uh breeds german shepherd dogs he feeds his shepherds kirkland dog food and yeah. they have shiny shiny coat and they are wicked healthy dogs
4: yep absolutely and i've i've heard that it's you know i've i've had uh clients who are really into like dog nutrition and stuff like that and they've also confirmed to me that 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 kirkland brand is, a, is an excellent brand i use the grain free uh sort of red bag stuff you get at at uh at costco and uh he loves it and uh, it's good for him it agrees with him uh so i i stick with it
5: yeah. Do you vaccinate your dog? Uh,
4: I do. Uh, Initially? I, yeah.
5: And then you kind of fade out? You're not one of these owners that gives annual inoculations to the dog? Or do well,
4: you? like, you know, when the vet starts calling me and bugging me to come in, at a certain point I go in and I'll get, you know, I'll get some, uh, you know, possibly some rabies, some distemper. But I don't, I don't go for all the, the full gamut of stuff, right? And, and certainly I don't do the heartworm and any of that type of stuff. Uh, I do go with uh, tick medication now, like the, twice, the twice a year tick tablet you know, the Brevecta or whatever they whatever. Yeah, the it is. Brevecta
5: is the big popular one most yeah. people are using now, Brevecta.
4: Yeah, I do the Brevecta because we spend a lot of time in the woods and in the bush and in, in places where it's like tick central, right? And um, and so I, I feel that that's, that's a good one for me to have. But I'm not super like, you know, I'm not obsessive about all that stuff.
5: Jason, great having you on the, on the podcast.
4: Dave, it's been a pleasure. I, I, I was when you invited me down, I was excited to come down and reconnect. you know uh, It's always a pleasure hanging out with you, so I appreciate the invitation.
5: You're most welcome. I have a lot of respect for you. I really love you as a friend and uh, I think it's a very adventurous life that you have. and thanks for sharing on the podcast today.
4: It's been a pleasure, thank you.
5: Jason shoot drove down from Guelph, Ontario to join me on the podcast today in Niagara Falls uh, and we broadcasted live, 4680Q and Jason tell my listeners how they can reach you. Give them your website or contact information please.
4: Sure Uh, you can find me all over social media, um, Shoot Balanced Dog Training on Instagram, on Facebook, ShootTraining.com uh, is my website that is s h u t e dot uh, training dot com. Um, you can find my personal YouTube stuff with some of the stuff that David mentioned today, just under Jason Shoot. Um, and so, anyway, you, if, if you if you Google me, you all that stuff is going to come up.
5: Excellent. Have a good one, buddy. You too, pal. Take care. Don't forget to uh, to check out all the podcasts on forty six eighty Q. Lots of good stuff all the time. I'm Dave McMahon. Ciao.